Well, this morning, as you're staying in here with me, we're going to actually take a break, a one-week break from our series in Acts. And I want to talk a little bit about something kind of related to this whole last week of, of my life. This last week, as you probably know, I was over in Excelsior Springs at the Lake Mower Campground for our youth camp. And I took four of the students here from the church, and we joined up with about 350 other students and leaders from different churches all around the area, including some actually from the Kansas side of the Kansas City area that came up to the campgrounds. And, and I want to share a little bit with you today about camp and what God did there, but I want to share that in context of you and I thinking about the importance of living with a mindset of looking into the future and passing on the faith. So this is kind of a standalone message, just one week here before we go back into the book of Acts. I want to talk about living with a mindset of looking into the future and passing on the faith. I've said this to you more times than, than I could count probably, but when God saves a person, he, he doesn't just take us up to heaven immediately, right? Give us that eternal reward. No one comes up and prays a prayer of salvation and up they go into heaven, right? He, he saves us. He changes us. There's something real that happens there. And then he calls us to be a part of his work in this world for the rest of our lives, right? As we've talked about, God has a divine mission that he is accomplishing, and Jesus told people in his ministry when he was here, in texts like Luke 19.10, that he, the Son of Man, had come to seek and save the lost. This was the mission that God himself has, his mission to seek and to draw and to save his people from every tribe, from every language, from every people group, from every point in time and location all around this globe. And, and we know that that mission that he has set himself to, he will actually accomplish. The text we've often looked at is Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, right? Looking into eternity, John tells us, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. Languages were standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and were crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Like this is this is the end result. He says, My mission is to bring my people from all nations, all tribes, all languages into relationship with me, into eternity with me. And when John sees that day, he says, He does it. He accomplishes the mission. That's what you and I are headed towards, is that great goal. God will accomplish his divine mission because he never fails. He never fails. No one can stop him or prevent him from accomplishing what he sets his will to. The Bible declares emphatically that is true of our great God. So understanding that this is the mission of God, and this is the mission he is going to accomplish, we have to think, well, how does God accomplish it? And what you and I must be clear on is that primarily God will accomplish this mission through his people who obey his command to go and proclaim the name and the gospel of Jesus Christ to other people. You and I are to be people on mission with God. He has this grand mission. He's told us what he's doing, why everything exists, and what he is working out through human history. And then he tells us that you and I are to be on that mission with him. He has called us into that. He's like the dad who, who calls the, the child over and says, here's what I'm doing. Why don't you help me? And God, like the dad who has the actual skill to do whatever he's doing, he doesn't really need the child's help, right? <laughs> but he loves that child enough. He loves you and I enough to invite us in 
to the work that he is doing so that we can be a part of what is close to his heart. So hear this, God works primarily through those of us who understand and obediently apply ourselves to the work of making disciples of the people that he has put into our lives. He has divinely put the people in our lives in our lives, right? We've talked about this often. He is the one who has given you the relationships you have, the specific people you know, you spend time with. All of that is orchestrated by the hand of God. And God can, as we've even seen in the book of Acts, like in chapter 9, we looked at the conversion of Saul, right? God can, in incredible ways, just break into a person's life without any help from any of us, and in a supernatural, miraculous revelation of himself, save somebody without anybody being involved, right? Like bright light from heaven, voice of Jesus speaking to Saul, just overpowers him, overcomes him, draws Saul into a relationship with himself. God can do that. But we talk about Saul's conversion as being so incredible because it's so rare even within the scripture, right? Normally, the way God is drawing people to himself is through his people, like you and I, being obedient to go and share the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the normal way people come to know of Jesus. So Romans 10 tells us, God uses his people to go and share the good news of Jesus and salvation comes as someone hears us sharing the message and then they believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. That is the normative way God saves people. It is all of God. It's his power at work in us and through us, Paul says, but he's using us primarily to bring this mission to completion. So in light of of that reality, in light of the incredibly important responsibility that we then have as God's people to be used by God to share who he is, what he has said, what he has done, to make disciples, to pass our faith on to others, I want us to think about that today as we we head towards recapping what happened in this last week. Because one of the most important ways that you and I can be intentional about passing on the faith is by working intentionally to pass on the faith to the next generation. I was thinking about this text this week, and it's actually kind of a tragic text in the Bible, but it came to me as I was at camp and I was thinking about the things that I was seeing. The Lord was kind of working in my heart, and he reminded me of this text from the start of the book of Judges. You can turn there if you have your Bible this morning, or you'll see it on the screen here in in just a second. The text is picking up right after the land of Canaan has been conquered, or as much as was conquered was, was conquered. And it focuses in on the death of Joshua, who was the leader of Israel after Moses had died, right? And so we're told in Judges chapter 2, verses 7 to 10, now all the people served Yahweh all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen the great work that Yahweh had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Yahweh, died at age 110 years. They buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance at Timnath Haris in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountains of Gaash. And all that generation then were also gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know Yahweh or the work that he had done for Israel. This text starts out with such a great description of the generation and the spiritual lives of those who lived under the leadership of Joshua, right? While he lived and while the elders, those who served with him in these leadership positions, while they lived, the people served Yahweh all their days. And a big part of that is the reason that's given either in the text. It says, for they had all seen the great work that Yahweh had done for Israel. 
But after Joshua and his generation die, and they're buried, the description of the next generation that comes up is a tragic contrast to the generation of Joshua. It says there arose another generation after them who did not know Yahweh or the work that he had done for Israel. That's a massive contrast in those two descriptions. So this text came to my mind early in this last week because I was looking out at, like I said, over 300 youth that came to the Northern Missouri campground. And this is the, the generation that's coming up behind. It's the, the people who are going to follow my generation, the lives of those who are now leading and serving in the church. This is the, the future generation to arise next. And I'm looking at, at a few hundred of them that are that are, Lord willing, all going to be there after I'm dead and buried. And what was so strong in my heart, in my spirit, was that I do not want this statement that was said of those who follow Joshua's generation to be said of those who follow my generation. Because notice what happens in the text. In that generation that follows Joshua, who does not know Yahweh, who do not know the works that he had done for Israel, it says, the people of Israel then did what was evil in the sight of Yahweh and served the Baals. They abandoned Yahweh, the God of their fathers, who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt. And they went after other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them and bowed down to them. And so they provoked Yahweh to anger. They abandoned Yahweh and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth, so the anger of Yahweh was kindled against Israel. So what happened in this generation following Joshua's generation, this generation that does not know God that does not understand who he is and what he has done is that they, they got swept up in the cultures around them. They begin to follow after the ways of the people that they saw around them. They begin to worship other gods, false gods. They abandoned the God who had developed and delivered Israel. They abandoned the God who Moses had worshipped, who Joshua had worshipped, and they instead did not know or serve that God. They went off in their own Ways And really the whole book of Judges is then just the tragic story of how they fall away from God and come back to God and fall away from God and come back to God. And they begin this path right here in this generation right after Joshua. This text is a sober warning, not just to the upcoming generation, but, but to us in our current generation that lives right now. Those of us who know and serve God right now, look, we must pass on the faith into the future, to the next generation. The problem was not just what took place in that next generation after Joshua died. The problem actually started in Joshua's generation. They failed to pass on the faith to the next generation. And God had told them, be sure to do this. They, had, they sinned in forgetting the commands of God and forgetting to do the things God had told them to do. Listen to these verses. All of them come before Judges chapter 2. And understand, when I read them today, they weren't just spoken to that one generation. They're spoken to us, this generation right now, how we are to live in light of another generation, the next generation coming after us. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 14, we're told, when in the times to come, your son asks you, what does this mean? He's looking at your worship, your life. He says, what does this mean? Then you shall say to him. Notice that you shall say to him. By a strong hand, Yahweh brought us up out of Egypt from the house of slavery. Goes on to share the story. This is who God is. This is what God did. This is what God has said. You are to say that when you are asked by your sons, when you're asked by the upcoming 
generation? Why do you do that? Why do you go to church? Why do you sing these songs? Why do you live this certain way? Then we are to take upon ourselves the responsibility to teach them, to tell them what God has done in the past. The text that that I often refer to, and I I use every time I do a a parent and baby dedication, the text that that Paul used today as Malia and I stood here dedicating Noah to the Lord with you as our church family comes from Deuteronomy 6. He he read this this part of the text this morning, verses 4 to 9, which says, Hear, O Israel, Yahweh our God, Yahweh is one. You shall love Yahweh your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you shall be on your heart. So this is us, our generation. He's saying, listen to these things, listen to these commands, believe them, follow them. You live them out. But he doesn't stop there, right? Verse 7 says, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. The whole idea is what? That we would pass on the faith. He makes this clear in Deuteronomy 6. Drop down to verse 20 through 25. Again, he, it's the same theme coming out. He says, when your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that Yahweh our God has commanded you? Well, then you shall say to your sons, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and Yahweh brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Yahweh showed signs and wonders great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our very eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to our fathers. Yahweh commanded us to do all these statutes so that we would fear Yahweh our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are to this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all the commandment before Yahweh our God as he has commanded us. This text is so clear. It is the responsibility of parents. It is, if we broaden that, the responsibility of one generation to pass on the faith to the next generation. Parents, this is on you to share with your kids. You can't just wait for someone else to do that. That's not just the job of the pastor, not just the job of the Sunday school teacher. It's on you. Pass on your faith. Later in Deuteronomy, again, chapter 32, it said again, remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. It tells the next generation, ask your father and he will show you. Ask your elders and they will tell you. Throughout Deuteronomy, this is, idea is repeated over and over again. One generation must pass on the faith to the next. And Joshua, when he starts as the leader of Israel, the first few chapters in the book of Joshua, he repeats this command several times to the people as they're going about getting into the land. He tells them at certain points, hey, we need to set up a memorial here. We need to erect something to remind us of what God has done and then to use to teach the next generation, to tell our sons and our children what God has done and what he has said. But by the end of Joshua's life, by the time we're getting into the book of Judges, as that next generation arises, the failure of the people to obey these commands is clearly seen, right? They did not know Yahweh. They did not follow his ways. That is a tragic outcome. And it's an outcome that our generation needs to see as a sobering warning today and a motivating call to each one of us to be careful to obey the word of the Lord and pass on the faith to the next generation. To share our knowledge of God and his ways and his word with those who are coming after us. 
So like I said, I thought a lot about these things as I was at, at camp over this last week. And I was praying every single day that God would use all these days that we had at camp to be moments that would have lasting impacts on that generation of students that had gathered there. I mean, I wanted them to have fun. I wanted them to make friends, and, and they did that. We had lots of chance to do all those things. But the most important reason to go to camp, the most important reason the, the district puts on a camp is so that there would be spiritual impact and the faith would go forward into the future, being passed on one generation to the next generation to the next. It's all about this spiritual reshaping of hearts and transformation and changing of lives. That, that what we're hoping for is they go to camp and they, they find this great encounter with God and it really changes them and brings them to, to life. And then when they come back home to their communities in the weeks and months to follow, we all see that. We don't want to leave God at camp, right? We bring those changed lives back here. That's what we're aiming for. And so I'm praying every day while I'm there at camp that ultimately God would use this next generation in this time, in this week, to raise them up so that what was said of Joshua's generation that followed him would not be said of the generation that follows us, that we would pass on the faith into the future to those who are following. So let me tell you a little bit about what God did this week at camp. I want to say, as we turn to it, thank you so much to those of you who give of your tithes and your offerings faithfully to this church because it really was you who enabled these students to go and have this week at camp. So thank you so much for giving. Our youth ministry was able to take our students because of, of your faithfulness to the Lord. So thank you for that. So on Monday morning, I, I left Philadelphia with Shaylee and Cheyenne and Tony and Jamie. And uh, we, we started, and then we had to turn around and come back and get a, a piece of paper, and then we had to go again. But then we, we got there, so, so we took the 180-mile journey across the state, all the way over to Lake Mauer Campground, and we were the last to arrive. <laughs> they were waiting for us. We pulled in. They're like, Nelsonville. I'm like, wow, I feel known. And they're like, yeah, you're the last guys. Oh, okay, my bad. <laughs> my bad. But we got there. I got the youth over to the dorms. They unloaded. It began to unpack and get settled in. I ran to the leaders meeting just a few minutes late. Wasn't a big deal. Then we got back together, met up for dinner, and we went off to our first service of the week. So this, this is a beautiful overhead shot of Lake Mauer. That's their new logo. It looks really nice. You've uh, seen that before as I've, I've shown you that. But we went after dinner over to the worship center. And if you've not been on the campgrounds of Lake Mauer, uh, you may never have seen it. This is what the worship center looks like there. And so you got some chairs set up nice stage and some big screens. Of course, that's all, all empty and everything. Let me tell you, though, that's not what um, the sanctuary looks like for youth camp. That's what the sanctuary looks like at youth camp. No, nothing's wrong with my phone. Nothing's broken. It's not blurry. There's fog. The lights are completely out in that room. You, they open those doors. You walk in, and I'm just standing there for a second, like, adjust, 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 waiting so I can see and don't run into somebody. So this is what it looks like at youth camp. And I think all of our youth might have been a little surprised too. I don't think they were expecting that when we walked in there. That's very different than church on Sunday morning, right? But here we are. This is uh, the, the group as we got settled in that first night. Jamie and Tony look really excited on day one. It's all right. It's all right. It got better. So we had that night our very first service of the week. Every, every night we went to the, to the uh, worship center and we had a service and we worshiped the Lord and did the same things we do here, right? We worshiped God in song. There was a message, a time of prayer. But they look a little different at youth camp than they do here at church on Sunday. Let me, let me give you a little taste of what that's like.
I mean, it's basically like what we did this morning, right? <laughs> it's a little different. It's a lot louder. I'll tell you that for sure. You can't hear the bass in the recording, but you can feel it in the room, right? Like it is, the bass is up, the kids go to the front, they're jumping, they're singing. Uh, you can't even really see the worship leaders up there, but they're, I mean, they're active. I don't know how many calories they're burning, but they are moving. It is, it is energetic and it's loud and it's fun. And so, yeah, it looks a little different. It sounds a little different when it's just that next generation all together in, in one place, Right? But God was working there on the hearts of that generation. And so I didn't take any pictures that night after the, uh, after the message. But we were in the altars after the message and praying. Jamie and Cheyenne both pretty much immediately responded and went straight to the altars. And, and I prayed with them, and the Lord really met with them there. Shaylee went and was praying over Cheyenne. It was, it was just lovely. And every night after service, we had a small group time. Just the five of us would get together. We'd talk about the message, talk about what God's saying to us through his word and how we're responding and what we felt him doing in our hearts at the altar times. And, and we did that every night after service, which was, for me, the, the best part of every day. On the second night is this photo you see here. Um, thankfully, the room was not always dark and fog-filled. And so they, uh, they did a wonderful job, actually. I'll commend Ryan on this. They, uh, when the message came, they turned on the lights in the room so the students could grab their Bibles, open those up to the text, get their notebooks, take notes. And our students did. We had Bibles and notebooks out every time we uh, had the message. And so this is after the second night. They're praying. The second night, they, they said, can we, can we pray in the back? Do we have to go to the front? I said, no, you can, you can pray in the back. So here they are praying uh, in our chairs after the sermon. And uh, it, was, it was great. The Lord really was moving. And I'll tell you a little more about what, what the Lord did in just a moment. But during the days, we had a ton of fun and uh, did a lot of games, a lot of outdoor stuff, as you would expect at camp. And it was so, so very hot over there. And I was on the youth all the time. Like, hey, hey, where's your water bottle? Go fill that up, right? Drink and stay hydrated. We had a lot of fun. We met a lot of people. And all four of our youth made plenty of friends. And we even ended up winning some of the games. That was really more towards the end of the week. Uh, but we won some games. I told Stephanie about it. She's like, oh, I am so competitive. I would have been, been like day one, you know, hit the ground around. I'm like, well... <laughs> I'm a little more laid back, but I put a little slideshow here for you. Uh, here's some of the fun that we had during the week. So, so we're lined up outside. This is ultimate Frisbee that we are getting ready to play. Shay's over there making friends. Human foosball here. This was the girls' round. Yep. Yep, they're going. Here we all are after we played some games. Jamie looks a little happier now. This is Shay going down the zip line. I have videos of uh, some of the others doing zip line too, but I didn't want to do, do a bunch of videos today. Here we are all outside the worship center. You think it's hot. Wait till you get 300 kids all standing next to each other. That's really hot. Playing some volleyball here, ready to go. I have an awesome video of Shaylee dominating at volleyball. I'll have to send that out. This was after her great domination. You can see how excited she is. I mean, she was, she was taking out the other team. It was awesome. This was us in the sanctuary one of the nights, getting ready for service. Having lunch. Oh, this is breakfast, I guess. Got thumbs up. We're doing good. I thought the food was pretty good, wasn't it? Pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's okay. All right. Here's our team, white team. If you, if you look closely, you'll see we are very young. That's why we didn't win. Like 17, 8-year-old high school boys, yeah, they're, they're tough. Um, this was uh, tug of war, which, which we got dominated on. Here's our uh, four square ball. We play this at youth group. So Shay's out there beating everybody because, you know, practicing. Here's Shaylee. This is Shaylee running with a bow. <laughs> 
Yeah, which they, they played archery tag, where you have a bow and arrows with foam tips, and the whole goal is shoot each other with them, right? Like, that's a liability thing, isn't it? <laughs> and I got, I actually, so they told us you need seven players, and all the other kids were supposed to go to free time. So, okay, we kept seven players back. Well, the other team shows up after they got done with their thing, and they're like, yeah, we'll run a heat of eight. Like, well, I only have seven kids. They're like, well, get in, jump in. So I did. So I'm out there running around shooting kids with a foam arrow. Nobody got hurt on my watch, but I shot like eight people. It was awesome. So <clears throat> it was very fun. It was very fun. Here we are. This is after service on the uh, last night, on Thursday night. And I, you can even see some smiles in there. We're, we're really enjoying things by the end of the week. Now, just stay on that slide for me for uh, a minute. Here's, here's the point. We had a ton of fun this week. And we slept very little. In case you're wondering, curfew at youth camp is 12.30 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the way it is when I take kids to kids camp. I'm like, 12.30? Is this a typo? Like, yeah. No, it's not. So we, we went to bed at 12.30 a.m. And got up in the morning. And I didn't sleep much through the night because our AC didn't work very well in our room. And let me tell you, I have let our illustrious district treasurer, Dr. McDonald, know when I am back for kids camp next week, I would like a room that AC actually works in. <clears throat> that would be nice. But the highlight of our week, with all the fun, with all the friends that we made, it was definitely what God was doing in the services. Wednesday night, I think, was the best night by far for, for all of us. All four of our youth went to the altar as soon as the altar calls were issued to respond. And they prayed personally. They prayed together. We prayed with them. And each of them really felt the Lord moving in their hearts in powerful ways. In fact, Cheyenne and Tony and Jamie all said that night, and then on Friday stood up in front of everybody. Remember, 350 people all there. They stood up and said, yes, the Lord saved me this week at camp. Shaylee told me she felt like the Lord drew her heart to him in a deeper way. She said, there's, there's more of him that I want. And we went that night and prayed, and she said, yeah, he gave me more of him. It was awesome. Absolutely awesome. So we praise God for all the work that he did this week at camp. But as I, I talked about this with the youth on the way back, and, and as we were even pulling in, this was the whole point of the final message before we left, too. What happened at camp is not the end of the story. We didn't leave God over there at Lake Mauer. The work he was doing there doesn't end as we got in the car and drove back, right? He's here in Nelsonville. He's at work in our homes in Philadelphia. And he wants the work that he started in them there to continue and to grow into something even greater than what it was at the beginning. And hear me, church, he wants to use you and I, this generation, to see that happen in this next generation that's coming up. So if we come back to these texts that were on my mind in my prayers all week long, we have a responsibility to our youth, to our kids, to the coming generation that's coming up through Nelsonville Assembly here. We must pass on the faith that we ourselves possess. We must talk about the things of God. We must model walking in the ways of God. We must work at being disciple makers so that this next generation will not be like what was said of the generation after Joshua, that they did not know the Lord. No, may this generation coming after us walk in the ways of God faithfully from right now. Let's commit ourselves to obeying God's commands and being intentional with our lives to pass on the faith into the future. I've been praying, I've been seeking the Lord to bring that to pass, that to be our reality 
And I wrote this prayer this week while I was there at the campgrounds. I was praying this throughout the week, and I was actually drawing on the words of Psalm 78, which I didn't know that Paul was going to use this morning in the dedication. So he read this to you, and I want you to hear this prayer that I've been praying all week. I hope you will make your prayer too. Even if it's just today, you will pray along this line when we respond to the Lord here in a few moments, that you would be resolved to live as an obedient Christian and pass on the faith into the future to those who will follow us. Here's what I wrote, and here's what I prayed this week at camp. That the things we have heard and known, that our fathers have told us, We will not hide them from our children, but will tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done and all that he has said. For he has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel for his people in all times when he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know him. That their children yet unborn will arise and tell of him to their children so that they too should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and know his love. That's been my prayer this week. I pray that will be your prayer in the days to come. And I'm going to ask Wendy and the worship team to come, and and they're going to lead in the song, The Blessing. We've done this as a response song several times. We, we're using a, a track, so I can tell you exactly what's going to happen. You have six minutes and 58 seconds of response time today. And you're thinking, man, seven minutes in the altar? That might seem like a long time to some of us. Didn't seem like a long time at youth camp, did it, guys? 25 to 30 minutes every night we were in the altar praying. If the next generation can do it, I have faith you, this generation, can do it today in seven minutes. So I'm going to invite you to pray. I'm going to invite you to respond today, to thank God for his work this week at camp, for drawing Tony and Cheyenne and Jamie to himself in a saving way. And listen, if you haven't ever experienced salvation like that, if you've never trusted in the Lord in a saving way, look, the faith of of your parents, the faith of a previous generation doesn't save you, right? It has to be you. It has to be your response, your trusting in the Lord. So, So if you've never experienced that, today's the day. No matter how old you are, today's the day to trust in Jesus, believe in his sacrificial death to atone for your sins, that he has fully paid the price for your sins, and no one, no one is too far gone for him. No one's too broken, your past isn't too messed up, your situation's not too bleak, you're not too much of a sinner for the grace of God to save you. There's no better day than today to receive salvation. So let's thank him. Let's respond to him in that way if we've never had that experience before. Let's thank him for drawing Shaylee closer to him this week, growing her faith, and and make that your prayer today. Maybe you've walked with the Lord for a really long time. How should you respond today? Say, I want more of you, Jesus. And watch him answer that prayer. Let's thank God for his work here in this place before camp ever started, right, as we celebrated Tessa's salvation just two weeks ago. God's working in Nelsonville and in Philadelphia, amen? Let's pray for this upcoming week of kids camp that we'll be taking kids to. Next Sunday, I'll leave immediately after service to take our kids back to Lake Mauer, and I'm praying God will do an incredible work there over those days too. Join me in that prayer. Let's pray for all of us to be actively engaged in disciple-making and passing on the faith to those who follow. Let's pray that the work of God that we will see in the coming weeks and months will be greater than the work we've seen in the past. He's a big, great God. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's respond to him. Let's sing and let's pray today 
and worship our great God and ask him to work in us and through us here in this place.